everyone, and welcome to episode 111 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we try to defuse the impending Apple and App Store bomb. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, hopefully I got my manual out and I can help it, help you defuse that bomb. <laughs> and the main impending problem with the App Store is twofold. First, we have... Essentially, Apple Arcade's coming in September or October, who knows. But will people still be buying games? Because I know we were looking at the upcoming game lists, and there's a lot of premium titles that are going to try to come out before Apple Arcade is allegedly going to come out. And once it is actually available, and it's $10 a month, 15 whatever, bundle price, whatever price Apple comes up with, are people going to still be buying individual games in any form whether it's dropping big amounts of in-app purchase currency or buying all these premium games that are outside of the whole apple arcade ecosystem yeah i I mean i think it's going to come down to is this game appealing enough if you are already paying for this wide variety of games for one set price every month is there a title that's going to appeal to you so much that you're going to buy it. And for me, I think that's going to be digital board games because odds are they are not going to be part of this whole Apple Arcade because they want to release on all these platforms. So I think for me, I'm still going to be buying some. Uh, I may kind of try to limit how many I'm purchasing if I'm also paying for Apple Arcade, but I don't think it's going to affect people spending insane amounts of money on in-app purchases. I think the people that do that are hooked on that and whether or not they're spending money in other areas, they're still going to sink crap loads of money into these free games. That's definitely true. That's a whole different market that I do not understand. I don't have the research behind it or what makes those people tick, but that's a definitely whole different market. Yeah, yeah. But for me, I think that if it's not an Apple Arcade, I'm probably not going to play it, to be completely honest. Just weekly releases or... See, we don't know how the Apple Arcade's going to develop, but if they have over 100 games at launch... That's going to take me a while to get through. I'm not going to play 100 games in a week. I'm going to, you know, play a couple games, one game, whatever. But I'm going to make sure that I'm going to enjoy the games I'm playing. I'm going to play through them as much as possible. And that sucks out all the time to even look at the rest of the App Store. Like, I'm not even going to bother to go to the new games page to see what's new. I'll just go to the Apple Arcade because I'm assuming there's going to be a standalone app and just look what's in there. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to be taking up so much of your time are you even going to have time to even keep track of all these other new releases that might be coming out outside of that i think people are going to have that as their go-to spot once they're paying for it and they're going to miss other things coming out so i think it's gonna be tougher to be noticed if you're not part of this apple arcade especially if apple makes it a decently priced or bundles it with other things that people are it's going to be their go-to spot for games but I, I don't know. I mean, there are going to be certain segments, like I said, digital board games, which I will still have to keep track of and keep up with. But yeah, I'm not sure how much time I'm going to have for other games outside of the Apple Arcade titles, because these are expensive, big titles. These are not quick games. They're not quick playing. Just play it and forget it. These are rich, deep experiences, at least from what we can tell so far with that initial list yeah the ones they've previewed these are going to be the games that are already going to be at premium price points released on the app store and you know the 499 699 999 titles it seems like are all going to be part of 
the Apple Arcade. So, it, like you said, it's not going to be that quick action, flappy bird, I play it for five seconds and I hate it and delete it. These games should be relatively involved, story-based or complex gameplay mechanic-based, iOS-specific features, and all that good stuff. So it, it's really going to be difficult. And I kind of am feeling bad for the developers who weren't invited to be part of Apple Arcade. Because, you know, Apple contacted specific developers. They didn't wait for developers to reach out to them. They're like, we want to work with these guys and these people over here. And so if you're not in that exclusive club, it's going to be really tough to participate on the App Store going forward. Right, right. And I I mean, some of them might have been just excluded just from the mere fact that either these titles are already available on another mobile platform or they're on some other subscription service, which immediately makes it so they can't be part of Apple Arcade. So it's it it's curious to see were these people like left out by Apple or were they just not even invited or were there other restrictions that kept them from being part of it, even if they wanted to. Yep. And we'll probably never know the full answer to that, but we will know more details in pricing and the specific launch titles and how often new titles join the service. Hopefully next month. I hope so. It's it's been too long since we got any information on this. And then also with the App Store, each week on our podcast, we try to talk about Apple news, new apps and new games. And if you've noticed you've been following along in the past few months, you know that that new app section, we can't really feel fill. And it's just not changing week after week. We both are looking for apps that might be interesting to discuss. And it's tough to find anything like once you have that kind of established, I'm going using this email app, I'm using this browser app, I'm using this weather app, I'm using this calendar, this reminders, you know, you have your ingrained into these specific apps, you have your Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu apps for streaming. And you have this whole kind of app sections that you go to the ones that you're most familiar with. You also then use those big brands like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, what have you. And it's like, what? Are you even caring to scour the app store for anything new to replace those? And is any developer making a new type of app that doesn't fit into these predefined sections that there's already thousands of competing entries? Yeah, it seems like you wouldn't go unless there's something you need, like a specific use case that you're looking, is there an app that does this that I need? Otherwise, even Apple, I I believe we mentioned this on the podcast before, seems to have completely gotten rid of in the App Store the new App Store releases, like non-game. If you are the App tab, it doesn't have a new section. It's the stuff we're using now or the stuff we're most interested in now. It's not new because there's just not a constant influx of new apps like there were back in the heyday of the App Store. People have kind of gone away from that and they see games within app purchases as the way to go. Apps, on the other hand, they tend to now have shifted to subscription models. So unless you have a app where you're going to be constantly adding new features or new content or something that's going to warrant this subscription model, then I, we're just not seeing it anymore because you need to fit into these new ways of making money on the app store. And if you just have these single pay apps, then where's the incentive to keep developing it? You you really have to keep on driving sales unless you have massive updates, which is what Apple seems to be featuring on these apps now. 
then you're not going to get influxes of cash and you're not going to have the money to continue to to uh, support the app and add new content. So it's these paradigm shifts that I think have kind of hurt the apps. And I don't think people have these grandiose ideas that they can carry on for years and years and years. They might be just like a one-off fun kind of thing, but that's not going to sustain you as a developer. Yeah, from a developer's perspective, it's definitely difficult for the whole app space, and you can see the de- the decline. I mean, there's a reason Apple's not featuring. I think the content's not there. I think it would be tough to fill 20 spots with new apps on a weekly basis. Yeah, I definitely, because we couldn't even come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> and then from the consumer perspective, I can't get into the subscription model. I can't tell like oh you can get the mindfulness app and it's this great feature set and it's like here drop eight dollars a month or ten dollars a month i'm like i could choose to just stream shows on netflix or whatever for 13 i'm not going to pay it for these little sequence of videos like the cooking apps same thing it's all these subscription services there's some intriguing ideas and compelling content but when you see that future price of oh i gotta pay every month for something that is so kind of optional or just extra in your life, it's tough to get on board. Yeah, there's very few apps I would even consider paying subscriptions for. I did subscribe to Infuse, which we talked about years ago, which was a video playing app. I subscribed for one year, realized I was hardly using it, and then dumped it. And I think the only reason I did it was because I could lock in a cheap price at the time. I knew the subscription price was going up. So I did it for a year, and then I never really used it, or very rarely used it. It just wasn't worth it. The only one I'm still currently paying for is Castro, which is a podcasting app. Right. I pay for the, uh, I'm locked in the original cheaper uh, subscription rate. I think it's like $5.99 or $7.99 a year, I think is what I pay. And I use it every single day. So that one I'm definitely getting my use out of, and I don't mind supporting this developer to get new features because it is an app that I'm using every single day during my commute, listening to podcasts. So that I'm I'm willing to support. But other things where I'm just periodically using it, it just doesn't make sense to be paying month every, monthly or even yearly for something I might use once or twice in a year. Like, a photo editing app or a photo collage app where we've seen a number of these now have subscriptions for like filters and other things. No, I, I, it's not the type of thing I'm constantly using. So why would I pay for a subscription? And I think that's also the problem of apps themselves is that they're so replaceable and there's such a big flux of keeping things on your devices or practical uses. There's not the day to day. I'm going to use this every single day for the next month. Well, that's worth it. But, you know, apps don't have that necessary, at least outside of those big brands that I mentioned at the top. You know, you might use Netflix or Amazon every day or Twitter and Instagram, and those are all free to use. They're these big brands. You're not going to necessarily use like the photo editing app or the cooking app or anything like that. Right, exactly. And something new might come along and, oh, well, I'm already paying a subscription for this. You don't necessarily want to switch. Like if you just downloaded the app it's easy to switch but it's like oh i'm paying 10 bucks for this app already i'm not even going to try another one that might be better right yeah yeah if you're already locked in then and maybe maybe you would if it was free to try it out and then see and maybe at the end of your subscription year you might switch but yeah there's less incentive for you to go elsewhere if you're already paying for something it's a delicate investment cycle from the consumer side 
because apps just don't last on your device. I'm sure most people at this point, they have, you know, set standard apps. And then there's a lot of other apps they might go through relatively quick and they just won't last. Like there's those top tier brands that I'm going to go to every day. And then there's those other ones that you try. And like you said, I need it for this vacation I'm going on. So I'm going to use it now. But how often do I go on vacation? You know, or I need to edit this photo right now. I want to learn to cook this specific thing right now. But am I going to come back to it over and over again? No, no, probably not. And especially like with the cooking example. Those are the type of things where you'd probably just go find a YouTube video or uh-huh. find it somewhere on the internet. It's not unless there's something super compelling about the interface or something within there. Odds are you can find this kind of information elsewhere for free. Yep. So that's it's all kind of combines together. It coalesces to create this odd mix of the App Store future of on the game side. You have Apple's delicate walled in garden of an arcade of specific featured developers. And then on app side, you have this future where unless you have a very compelling subscription to get that continuing cost to continue developing an app, it's tough to go forward. And so really, I don't say we're 2020 WWDC. I think the app store might be have a little kind of a crossroads time. Yeah, I and especially where you have the Apple, when they see something that they really like, they put it into the stock apps Mm -hmm. or into the operating system. So even the ones that we're using now, how long are they going to be around where Apple's just going to basically steal the feature and then put it into the OS or put it some other way? I think it's going to come down to fewer and fewer of these things being supported over time. And I think you're just going to see stuff stale out on the app store. And it's just going to be a smaller subset that people are all just kind of be the go-to apps that people are going to use. Yeah. Like any mature kind of marketplace, that's what ends up happening as it over time, it becomes fewer and fewer people doing the best and everyone else kind of falls by the wayside because when the app store started people viewed it as kind of this gold rush and every single year since 2008 that has been extracted from the idea so now people i mean that was going to be 12 years ago next year by wwdc that dried up probably in 2000 and 13 12 you know that, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> and so now we're getting to King is doing amazing or owned by Activision with Candy Crush. Supercell's doing amazing. And then there's everybody else. Yeah, and this is where I my confusion is, is I don't even play those games. Like, I don't understand why they do so well when there's just much better stuff on the App Store. But the problem is you get mass... You get this mass number of people that are just playing these certain games, somehow are hooked on them, they're advertising for them like crazy in all over the place, that you just get this kind of big group of people going for these things, and they don't even focus on anything else. Kind of like what we mentioned, where if we're focused now on Apple Arcade, we're not even going to see a lot of this other stuff that's coming out. We're going to miss it. You, we may, just because of this, the areas where we look, we may see the stuff. But the average consumer, if they're fo- so focused on a certain area of the App Store, they may never actually see any of this other stuff coming. Yep. And so that's really where the App Store is positioned. And 
then Apple also has their new TV streaming incentive, which is their Apple TV Plus, whatever it's called. And we've <laughs> talked about that numerous times, so there's no reason to add to it. But mainly the idea is that they released a trailer for the morning show. It's kind of the first longest extended look at any of the shows at Apple's coming service. But the problem is the morning show is probably the one we know the most about. The one that's going to be with Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston, and Reese Witherspoon. It has a cast. It has all the production sets and values and everything like that. But it's going to take more than one show or a handful of shows for this service to kick off. And Apple has not helped their help themselves at all in launching the service and the trailer for the one we know the most about doesn't help yeah it just makes no sense that they've come out haven't come out with any more details at this point especially where you have all the hulu announcement of them doing their bundles and all these other things happening in the streaming space it would behoove Apple to like get out there ahead of this thing and really start getting the information out there, get people excited before this thing launches. Really get like one trailer is not going to do it. Give them more information of how they're going to watch this, how much it's going to cost, and what exactly is going to be included. Don't wait until the Apple iPhone event in September to to announce this or do it even in a separate event even. After that, you really need to start this information now, especially before fall TV starts and people start watching what's already out there and not even thinking about yours or paying for the Hulu and Disney and not even thinking about yours. You need to get this information out there ASAP to get people so they can plan for this and decide this is where I want to spend my money, not one of these other services. Yeah, they're treating their Apple TV service like they're launching the iPhone. And when people buy the iPhone, they're going to keep it for a year and they don't or two years, whatever. They don't worry about it. It's a big investment. A TV streaming service, you can be changing. Oh, I'm going to use it in January and then I'm going to use it in April and then I'm going to use it in July. You know, you can do random times. I just need it for these couple shows or whatever. You need a completely different launch strategy and a completely different marketing approach. And they're just treating it like it's a big, huge one-off release. Yeah, yeah. It, I just don't understand the logic of this. I I don't know. I, maybe they're still trying to figure things out. That's, that's the only thing I can think of is they just don't know what they're going to do to make sure that they don't lose to Netflix and Hulu and Disney. And I, otherwise, I don't understand why they seem to be just completely dragging their feet and kind of keeping this so hush-hush and quiet at this point. Yeah, they need about 100 shows like that Apple Arcade has for it to be really relevant <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I, I would watch some shows if they're based on some of those games. That would be pretty awesome. That's what they need to do. Really, they do. They, they need to have be they, better storytelling. I mean, you could even invest and make more animated shows so you don't have to be all live action. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also Apple announced the a Apple card and it was supposed to come this summer and it turns out a select few people got a special invite or I, I don't even know how the system was. Neither of us got the special invite, so I have no basis on explaining how the system works. But I guess over the next few weeks, the initial batch of Apple cards have gone out and now they're going to roll it out to more people to sign up. And it seems like you need a credit score of at least 600 to get approved. And then once you do, you can use the card without ever actually looking at the physical thing. But of course, they're going to send you the actual fancy little card to show how of a awesome Apple Uber nerd you are that you have this little white card with the Apple silver logo on it. But 
that's just a heads up. Once it's available, we'll be sure to talk about it, let you know it's effortless to sign up. You just go to essentially the wallet app and there's going to be an option to add Apple Card and you sign up with all the information that's already on a credit card stored in your Apple Pay account. So it's just a matter of time, I guess. But it's really weird that it's just so silently rolled out. I think maybe the engraving machine kind of broke down while they're <laughs> trying to engrave all those nice cards, and who knows? I, they probably broke down on mine, and they, that's why I just haven't got it yet. Yeah, maybe it's because my last name starts with an S, so it takes a while to get down there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah, we st- I should have been in the middle of the alphabet, though. Yeah, we start with, like, A, Alex, Alexis. Ah. <laughs> uh... I bet they sent anyone with the last name Siri. They got their cards, I'm sure. Yeah, or Cook. Yeah. (laughs) But so that's keep an eye, I guess, on our podcast on Apple's website. You can sign up on their website to be notified when it becomes available. I don't know if that gives you quicker access to getting the actual invite to the card system. But I guess it's worth a shot. Yeah, go ahead. It doesn't (laughs) hurt. And so we wanted to talk about some Apple subjects, but of course, guess what? We have some games to talk about. And the first one is Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, which is a multiplayer game for two players in different areas. So essentially, you can have one device with the game loaded up on it, and it shows you this whole suitcase bomb that you need to defuse with these various modules to interact with. And then the other person has a manual. You can use the in-game manual or you can use the web-based manual. But essentially, you have to talk back and forth. So if you want to do a phone call, a Skype call, whatever have you, you're going to rely on both persons, what they view, to work together to defuse this bomb. And so Brett and I got to play together and test this out. And it's a really enjoyable experience to just, oh, I have six wires on screen and then the other person goes to the manual and if you have six wires there's all these if then type of rules that you have to go and cycle through or then there's these uh strange symbols that you have to make sure which symbols you actually have so you tell the other person and then there's a specific order there's a word-based one there's a memory-based one there's a maze-based one and the modules become more complex and there's more modules in a given bomb as you go through the process of playing each of the different parts of the game yeah so this is a game that i first saw at pax east like years ago and when it came out on on the pc and then uh, last year i picked it up on the switch and at pax east this past year i finally saw their ios release of this and it works so well on iOS. My daughter and I have played, we haven't played on iOS yet, uh, but we we played on the Switch. You can be in the same room, it's just one person can't look at the screen uh, while the other one is uh, trying to defuse the bomb. So one person focuses on that manual and is just telling the person what they need to do based on how they're describing what they see on the bomb. So it's all it's almost like you're in an actual real situation where the bomb tech would be on site looking directly at the bomb, trying to figure out how to defuse this thing and calling back for support like, hey, what wires should I cut? What should I do? And it's just 
all this tension builds up because you're trying to be descriptive but not spend too much time describing stuff because that clock is counting down and you're trying to be as clear as you can but also concise and meanwhile they're trying to quickly read through the instructions and find the lines that match so they can tell you what you need to do and hopefully don't cause you to cut the wrong wire or tap the wrong symbol or something there were several times when Trevor and I were playing and I said I completely forgot to ask him if there was a vowel in the serial number on the box so I was telling him the complete wrong instructions on what to do and then we we had a one strike against us so he cut the wrong wire tapped the wrong button and then we had to reevaluate and try to quickly make up the time that we lost and hopefully defuse the bomb before it went off and then the person you're playing with you need to have that kind of uh, repertoire or repertoire to have a same page idea where when you're going through the symbols as you get more familiar with it, it's like, okay, it's the back-to-back K's, or it's the R without the left-hand side of it. And so you know exactly what the other person is talking about. The more you get into it, the more you are familiar with one another to be able to kind of quickly go through these things. Because as you go, there's you start off with five minutes to defuse the bomb, and then it drops to three minutes, and the time gets shorter and the modules become more difficult. So you really need to be simpatico with the person on the other side, whichever side they are in the equation. Oh, right. Yeah. Repeat play definitely helps. I mean, the it's completely random which modules you'll get. And you might get like multiple wire cutting scenarios, or you might get one wire cutting scenario and then some really hard one, like a maze or a memory one. And so the more you play and the more you learn these, you're not going to know exactly just without even reading through the manual unless you have some insanely good memory of exactly what to do. But it's going to help that you know more, you kind of get more used to the manual, know how to quickly flip through the manual, find the lines you need, and tell the person what you need to do. Or you just know the strategies to start to learn for the different modules that help you shave off a little bit of time. You still won't get it immediately. But at least you can kind of shave off a few seconds, which you're going to need when you have four or five of these things to do and you only have three minutes to, to do it in. So you start to learn tricks and and then when you come across a new one, then you're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, hold on, hold on. Meanwhile, the other guy's sweating bullets as the counter's going down and you, the bomb's going to blow up. And it's just it's a lot of fun. There's tension there, but. It's still insanely fun to do this. It's surprising how just the basic mechanic is changed completely once you have to rely on somebody else. Like if there was a different rule set where it was more reliant on you, it wouldn't nearly be as fun as working with somebody else. Right, right, exactly. It's that whole trying to both people describing things and hopefully there's good communication between you two. That's where the real fun is of this game. And easily, this was the game of the week for me. Like, I, I absolutely love this game. When Every time I played it, I love it. It works very well on iOS. Like, being able to manipulate by just swiping to rotate the case and then tap in to tap into the module you want to work on, and then you just tap to cut the wire or tap to hold the button. It just works super well with just the... The touch gestures, it feels more hands-on like you would be if you were actually there trying to fuse a bomb. Not that I'm going to actually ever try it myself. I'll <laughs> leave it to the professionals. I, As much as I trust you, Trevor, I'm not going to be doing any real bombs with you on the other side. Reading I'll the be bomb on the manual, manual side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> 
Uh, so that's keep talking and nobody explodes. It's nine ninety nine, and is it iPad only? I believe it's universal. I okay. thought it was. Well, that's cool. Uh, um. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's universal. Perfect. And so next up is Kubrick's, which is based on Stanley Kubrick. I guess slightly. I don't know how the game is actually connected. <laughs> they throw his name in a quote at the very start, but it's Kubrick's, so K U B R I X, and it's brick based where you have to rotate various sides of this kind of layered square cube idea and you have to connect these pathways. So each side, it's kind of like an open faced Rubik's Cube. It's a little bit like Euclidean lands just without the character movement. So it's the same idea of wrapping your head around. 3D object manipulation and every side has different pathways and angles and you have to line them all up so that the starting point gets to the exit point and you get the essentially current to flow through the entirety and it's just a puzzle game that's relatively familiar but different and challenging every single level keeps you compelled it's built on the same mechanics as you go on but there's more varying lines to deal with and more angles and potential sides to align together yeah, so it gives you like a, a number of kind of like endpoints you need to get uh, in the top. You see like these little boxes and it tells you how many you're trying to get. That seemed to vary wildly. You'd go from one where you needed four to one where you just needed two to then back to one where you needed like three or five. So that kind of seemed a little uh, just all over the place. It didn't, the difficulty didn't really kind of arc in a one direction just was all over the place but it was the type of game where as soon as you finish one you're like i want to do another mm -hmm. i want to do another and another and another and you, before you know it you've done like 20 of these things you're just sitting there flipping flipping and it's just a, a fun time waster because it gets your mind working as you're trying to figure out oh i need to flip these in this order and you can zoom in and zoom out to focus on one little area because some of these things get super tiny and they're tiny little lines especially on the phone trying to line them up and then it's you know you might have something in the right place when it lights up but even then it may not necessarily be correct you might have to rotate it around another time and it'll light up in a different spot and so you you just kind of just keep working your way through different sections of this overall puzzle until you get everything lined up just right and then it immediately clicks when it's correct and shows you that you got it correct and then you move on to the next one with a fun little pun of a of a title with the word brick in it somehow uh and it's yeah it's just a fun free little time waster yeah it comes from developer kenny sun who is best known for probably a hollow doorway or circle infinity which are both more fast-paced challenging games built you know that super hexagon style where it's super fast-paced super challenging lining things up getting things through so it's nice to have the more methodical approach to take your time figure everything out and then the game doesn't have any timers there's no three-star scoring system there's none of that extra fluff stuff it's just essentially figuring out getting all of the dots connected and taking your time to figure it out and slide it around. I did find that sometimes I didn't necessarily think out what I was going to do and I just stumbled into the right answer. It happened more often than not. I was actually surprised. That was kind of the only disappointing aspect. Yeah, I definitely did that a few times where all of a sudden, uh, oh, I guess I got it. Yeah, uh, I did. I was very happy there was no move count. I hate yeah. when I feel like I got to go back and redo it in a certain number of moves, especially this, where you're kind of just 
fumbling your way through sometimes and just trying all the different combinations to have like a move counter would just been super annoying and i probably would have put it down but the fact that i can just freely like zen like take my time do whatever i want and not feel rushed or anything and uh i really enjoyed that about this yep so that's Kubrick's. it's free it's universal and then there's thief rivals which is a game that lets you essentially race to a point to steal treasure and then race back to the starting point. And you have different challenges that you can jump into. It's all online multiplayer based. And as you increase in rank, you'll unlock new areas and there's more potential combatants or multiplayer opponents to go against. And so that raises the challenge. But the main idea is getting first to the treasure, first to back and getting first place to bank as many coins as possible because each match that you play has an entry fee and you have a set number of coins so obviously you don't want to waste them the twist is that you can actually attack one another so you can upgrade your abilities but you start off with a bomb you can drop that will essentially detonate to people behind you you can activate a shield so people can't attack you and then you can throw a knife and you might need a couple, but that will help attack enemies and slow them down if you are behind. So if you ever are like completely out of it, you can use all these abilities to try to catch up. So it has a little bit of a Mario Kart idea right there. But just the core idea is relatively fun. And I was actually enjoying it, but it seemed like the more matches I played, the more every single match kind of blended together, no matter which set of online opponents you got and i won every single time that i played i'm not bragging about it it just seems i don't know <laughs> what's wrong with everybody else but it was overly easy to play this game yeah i was wondering if these were ai players yeah, or something or i'm worried really about actual that. real players <laughs> because I won every single time, too. It felt like it was just far too easy. It seemed like it's a great concept. It just felt a little too, like, stiff. Like, nothing felt like it flowed like like it would like speedrunners the the tiny build game that one felt more like flowy and natural moving uh as you ran like and that one's more like an endless thing but it's the same sort of style where you can attack your opponents and try to knock them out and you're trying to get ahead of them be so that you don't get knocked out by it closing in on you this one, you're, it's basically just a race. You're trying to get to the end, grab your loot, tap as quickly as possible so you grab the loot, and then run back to where you started. There's nothing environmental that would necessarily take you out unless you fall into like water, but then you tap and you respawn right where you, where you died and you try to run and continue. But it just felt too easy, and it just, I don't know, it just lacked some little bit level of polish that I didn't feel like I was actually playing against real people. It just felt like AI players the whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if they could fix that and make it just feel a little more natural feeling, I think it would be fun. I, I definitely felt the free-to-play aspects of it with the coins to enter and the unlocks to unlock different cards and different abilities but uh it was fun i was surprised that i actually enjoyed it as much as i did part of me wonders if they're like real people but you're just running against ghosts or something but it seems like they still throw stuff at you i i just yeah you're right there's not the randomness you would expect with an online multiplayer where some people might not go against or go against the grain or just do things different it seemed like Everybody is playing in that whole AI fashion to get to a certain point. But part of me also wonders, I mean, I remember that King Crab game 
or the all the whole.io's and various .io games, they all have this idea where I just win all the time. Like I am absolutely <laughs> terrible when I play online on the Xbox, whether it's Fortnite or Rocket League or whatever. But when I'm on iOS, I just seem to do really well against players. I don't know if it's a different subset of people that you play against, but all these like free to play online multiplayer games are just so easy. Yeah, I yeah, I I feel the same way. And but this one more so I think than any other it seemed. Like especially with the whole pack mentality of it seemed like every other player they kind of just followed each other uh-huh. as one big pack. They didn't even kind of spread out on some of these courses are pretty wide. You can get like different multiple levels and everyone just kind of stuck together. And I don't understand why. Like you would think you'd spread out so that people couldn't throw knives and stuff at you, but they all kind of just grouped together. Yeah, I love when all the knives kill everybody around me. I did enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's Thief Rivals. It's free. It's universal. So the next one I want to mention is a game called Diorama Detective, which is a really super cool concept, but struggles a little bit in the execution. So basically what this is, it's an AR game. So you kind of aim your device and you tap the screen and it creates this giant diorama of like for it's a it's a detective game. So the first one, it's a a neighborhood scene and you're trying to solve this mystery with a dog and something's happening to this dog. Someone complaining about the dog. I don't want to give too much away because there are only four mysteries in the game, but you're basically trying to research and take photos of different parts of the diorama so you have this thing and you can move around it physically move around it look in kind of lean in and look in and see things and almost kind of like the snappables game or pokemon snap you're taking photos of specific items within the the scene and you're you have this whole almost like a csi yarn connecting uh board that you're kind of laying out all the evidence you have for this mystery and you're dragging these photos on to kind of link up the various pieces of information you found when you drag a photo on there then it reveals more information you see new yarn come out and then you can tap on that and it gives you a little more information of what you need to look for next and as you're solving this overall mystery and new locations get added to the diorama for you to go look in that and there's little characters to move around where the game struggles is this is an awesome concept, but the AR itself, like most of these AR implementations, really feels glitchy. So from the very start, you kind of aim this on the screen, and sometimes it was just too high in the air, and you almost have to get up on your tiptoes to be able to see it. There are ways to recenter it, but that didn't really work. There are little arrows to kind of turn turn the board a little bit. But that didn't really work. And so it just really, it, like, even when you're leaning in, everything kind of shakes. And then maybe the thing you're trying to take the picture of kind of moves off the screen. Now you have to find it again. I just wish that more of these AR implementations would allow you to use your fingers to just rotate it around or pinch to zoom and zoom in and out rather than forcing you to kind of walk around it. Because I think that's where things start to go screwy and haywire because it kind of loses exactly where you are when it worked it was amazing but when it didn't work it was so incredibly frustrating which was really disappointing because it's such a cool concept for this game the other thing that i ran into also is i was nearly done the first uh mystery 
and I accidentally closed the app when I was trying to move around, and I loaded the app back up, and I had to start all the way over again, which was amazingly frustrating, as you can probably expect. Yeah, I definitely can see that. You know what's funny? In case you didn't know how our week develops, I usually ask Brett about what games he's playing, and he has a couple recommendations, and then I ask, is it worth my time? And he said Detective Diorama was too frustrating with the AR, and I didn't really get into it for that reason, but just the... I tried to launch it up, and there's no alternative way to play. There's no finger gestures or any way to do it with isn't AR-based, so you gotta get that flat surface right at the start of like, nope. So... I love the idea of a crime scene investigation with the actual detective board set up where you link everything together. And I like AR, but the combination just doesn't sound like it's worth the investment, the time investment. Yeah, I think if they could somehow really get this to work properly, I think it'd be a really fun experience, especially for like younger kids. But even like as an adult, I thought it was fun. I just wish it would work. That was the biggest problem I had. And if they, if they just allowed you to not have to move around and be able to have an alternate way of interfacing with it, I think it would, it, it would work fine. It's just, I think it's that whole, as you're moving around, that things get detached and messed up. And even with the recentering, it really didn't work that well. Uh, I just don't think the technology is there for this perfect experience. But... If I mean, it's a, I, I wanted this to work because it was a fun, neat idea, and I hope they can somehow fix it. And I'm going to monitor to see if they have updates to say that they fix things. And I'll, re, I'll definitely revisit this one because I did like the, the, the idea and just the gameplay of it. I just wish it worked. But it, that's a Diorama Detective, and it's a universal app, and it's $3.99. And then lastly, I want to talk about a digital board game. This one actually came out a few weeks ago. We, I just haven't had, we were off for a while. And then uh, we talked about uh, Raiders in the North Sea last week. So I held off on this one. But Santorini is a uh, abstract uh, strategy game for two, really two players. You can play with three uh, in the physical board game of it. But really, I say it's a two player game. And what's really cool about it is it's a very easy, basic strategy game where each player is a certain Greek god, and you're moving around these this board, a 5x5 five five grid of board. Each player has two characters on there. And basically, on your turn, the basic move is you move one of your workers, and then you can build one level of a building. And it has to be touching next to your worker. And so... You the whole goal of the game to win is to move one of your workers onto a building that's three levels high. The problem is the other player can cap off a building when it hits three with a blue top that seals it off. So then you cannot climb on it or actually at any level, they can put one of these blue tops on that can cap it off and then you can't move on to that building. So the whole goal is just to get one worker to reach that third level. Where the really interesting part of the game comes is there's all these different gods, and each one has completely different powers. So those powers may change what you can do on your turn, like maybe you can move twice, or maybe you can build two levels at a time, or maybe you can move both your characters, or maybe you have three characters on the board. Or it could switch up the win condition for your character. Like maybe your character has to drop down two levels in one turn. So now he's up on a second story thing unless somehow 
the other player can stop you, you could jump down, you could win. So it constantly changing. Every game is completely different because of these god powers, and you have no, you have to completely change up your strategy based on what your opponent can do or what you can do as far as those gods go. So there's so much replayability here and strategy because it changes up all the time. And how long do you think an average game takes? Oh, it could take anywhere from a minute to, depending on what those powers are, to like maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, because you're kind of keep on going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, It really, it totally depends on how the players know their powers or just dumb luck sometimes because you you kind of lose your train of thought and you put them in a position where they can win with their power or win with their special win condition. The nice thing about the app is they do have, like in the physical game, there are like, I want to say a little over 50 of these different gods. And the base game, so you buy the app, you get access to 34 of those gods. You only have access to four of them to start, but you can play this kind of odyssey single player mode that unlocks those characters so basically you're playing and you kind of beat that character to then unlock them for the rest of the game and then there's certain other characters you can purchase through in-app purchases to unlock them you won't be able to unlock them any other way other than buying them but you can you do have access to 34 of them you just got to play through that single player mode which is actually really nice because it kind of forces you to learn the different characters and figure them out in order to to play through them. There is also a pass and play where you can play locally against someone else, or you can do an online mode where you can get a random player, but I did struggle to get matches set up for that. Or you can use kind of like a a code and set up a friendly match with someone that you know, uh, so that way you know the other person you're playing against. I own the physical version of this game, and my kids love it, I love it, I have friends that he plays with his kids and they absolutely love it. So this is such an easy, easy to learn, very basic strategy game. But because of those gods, things go nuts, things go crazy, and it just gets really weird. And if you don't like one god, you don't have to play with that god. You can play with other ones. So there's always something different to try and play. Awesome. And so that is a universal app. It's $4.99 for that base game. And then the various in-app purchases you can buy for like packs of five gods for $1.99 or all of them to unlock for $7.99. But yeah, even the base game for $4.99, you get a lot of content. So that's Santorini. And I think that's everything for episode 111. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. Mm -hmm.